Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues speaking from the Gospel of Matthew with this word entitled, The Doom of the False Christian, preached on July 1st, 2001. The Doom of the False Christian. Many Christians pay more attention to their shampoo than to the matter of their eternal salvation. Michael Green, a New Testament scholar, made this statement. I fear that so much that passes as Christianity will shrivel up in the day of judgment and be found to be bogus and worthless. No wonder we are told again and again, that we must examine ourselves and see whether we are in the faith, that we must make our calling and election sure. Jesus warned about this bogus and worthless Christianity many times in his teaching. Chapter 7 of St. Matthew Beginning with verse 15, watch out for false prophets. Beware of false prophets. False prophets are dangerous and they are deceptive. We are to be aware of false prophets. Not false prophets in the world, but false prophets in the church. They are ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. And somebody said, you know, people with PhDs, they are called sheepskins. And they reject the scriptures by their own authority. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. These are the ones who can be recognized by their fruits. Let me tell you, the evangelical church is full of false ministers of the gospel. They are not called by God. They do not have God's word in them. They do not care for the sheep. They make up stories of their own gospel. They are agents of Satan. They speak lies. They contradict the word of God at every turn. And we are told about these false prophets throughout the Holy Scriptures. They preach a message always of optimism. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 5. We look through that prophecy and study something about false prophets. Therefore, false Christians who love false prophets and their false teachings of optimism. Chapter 5 of Jeremiah, verse 12. They have lied about the Lord. They said he will do nothing. No harm will come to us. We will never see sword or famine. No harm 
job. No judgment. Do what you want. You don't have to listen to the covenant Lord and his stipulations. You do whatever you want. Nothing is going to happen to you. Turn to chapter 6 of Jeremiah. Verse 14. These false prophets dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. You see, false prophets will never speak about sin. They will never speak about the wrath of God. They will never speak about judgment that is coming. They put band-aid on people's serious moral problem. Turn to Jeremiah 23rd chapter. Now let me read to you from verse 16. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds. Not from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, they have no word of God. They are winds. They are in, not at all inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see to hear or to hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? Verse 21, I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. Verse 25, I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. Lies of optimism. Lies of peace. They say, I had a dream. I had a dream. How long will this continue? In the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusion of their own minds. You see, false Christians listen to false prophets. And false Christians can be in this church. They will not listen to the real preaching of the word that makes them uncomfortable. The preacher that preaches the law... The preacher that preaches sin, the wrath of God, the judgment of God. The preacher that says you must repent of your sins. You are not in the business of dressing the wound lightly with band-aid. But I know some of you who don't like to hear the real word. You like smooth things. They like nice things. You like cheap grace. It's not going to happen. Turn with me again to Jeremiah chapter 6. Look at verse 14. It says, There is no sin. No repentance is necessary. 
Salvation will come to you without repentance. Turn again to chapter 5, verse 31. Let me read this to you. The prophets prophesy lies. The priests rule by their own authority. And what is the next line? And my people say it. Love it. And my people are here this morning. No, not the other person. It's you. You. You don't like to hear the truth. My people love it so. What do they love? They love lies of optimism. My people love it. But notice the last line of verse 31. But what will you do in the end? And the end is hanging on your head every day. What will you do in the end? Will lies will help you in the end. This lie of optimism will help you in the end. What will you do? And that's what we are considering this morning. The doom, the final doom of the false Christian. My people love false prophecy. They cannot put up with the word of God preached The word of God, like a two-edged sword that cuts us and exposes the thoughts and intents of our hearts in order to heal us. False prophets are Broadway ministers. They preach no sin. They preach no judgment. They preach no hell. They preach no wrath of God. They preach no repentance. They preach no saving faith. They don't preach the cross as necessary. They say God loves all people. They say God saves all people. They say, in fact, the broad way leads to life eternal. And then they stand up and say, watch out that man who says the broad way leads to destruction. Watch out that man who says the narrow way, that is the way of Jesus Christ, That leads to life. Watch out because it is not true. The narrow way leads to destruction. The broad way is what? Leads to life. This is the broad way ministers. And the evangelical world is full of them. They say no holiness is necessary. No obedience is necessary. They may even say there are many ways to nirvana. They say God is love. They say, even if you believe in Jesus, you do not have to live a holy life. They say there is cheap grace. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, forgiveness without repentance, cheap grace, salvation without a savior, discipleship without denying oneself. They preach a crown without a cross. False prophets, they have one thing and one thing only in their mind. Turn to Jeremiah verse 6 and verse 13. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. And you look at the evangelical world, you watch television. You look at the whole evangelical world and you find 
vast majority of them are interested in making a buck. Money is the heart of their purpose of preaching. Let's turn to Second Peter chapter 2. Peter also spoke about these false prophets. Second Peter 2, but there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you. In their greed, they have no interest in your salvation. In their greed. And let me tell you who are the false Christians. They are people in the church who follow false prophets. Or people in the church who refuse to believe the true preaching of the word of God. They cannot stand it. They cannot stand the word sin, repentance, wrath of God. They cannot stand the word the kingdom of God, righteousness, holiness. They cannot stand it. They want a preacher to preach that you can be saved and continue to sin. And then everybody is happy. The false Christians are those who believe the false prophets. They are optimists. They reject the negative doctrine of sin. They reject the word of the Lord. Let's move again to Jeremiah. Let me read to you the very nature of these people and their response to the word of God. Jeremiah 6 and verse 10. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed. So they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is what? Offensive to them. And what else? They find no pleasure in it. You see, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, the word of God is the most pleasurable thing for a true believer. In his presence there is fullness of joy. On his right hand pleasures forevermore. But to these phony false Christians. The word of God is offense. And there is no pleasure in the word of God. They love a positive gospel. What is the positive gospel? That does not preach about sin, about repentance, about obedience, about saving faith in Jesus Christ alone. They want a positive gospel. They love easy healing of their serious disease. They love prophets who entertain them and who preach what they want to hear. False prophets. You remember 400 of them Ahab kept them in his court and he always called them and they come and, and they speak in one voice what this wicked king wanted to hear. False prophets, for a fee, they will do the prophesying. 
Look at Second Timothy chapter 3. Not only in the Old Testament, not only St. Peter, but also St. Paul tells us about these false prophets and false Christians. Second Timothy 3, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having always a form of godliness and externalism. But denying its power have nothing to do with them. St. Paul is speaking about what is going to happen to the church. He's not speaking about the world, the people of the world. He's speaking about the people of the church. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. False prophets, false Christians, listen to false prophets. And false Christians, listen to true prophets but refuse to acknowledge sin. They refuse to repent. They refuse to embrace the rule of the kingdom of God. They hate it. It's offensive to them. They have no pleasure in it. And think about yourself and see whether what I'm trying to say to you is true. And if it is true, then you, at the end of this service, should repent. And ask the Lord to come into your heart. Pray that you may be saved. Secondly, I want to speak about foolish builders. Matthew chapter 7. You remember Jesus Christ speaking about wise and foolish builders? Now it is very simple to find out who are foolish builders and who are wise builders. You don't have to think it too deeply. A foolish builder is one who will never obey Jesus Christ. Who will never submit to Jesus Christ. Who will never take the word of God seriously. Who will never acknowledge that Jesus Christ is truly king of kings and lord of lords. The fool in the Bible is one who lives as though there is no God. That's what a fool is. And there are foolish Christians, false Christians, who live all their life inside the church, but remain false and foolish. Because they hate the word of God and they will not submit to the word of God. They will not do the word of God. Very simple. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. They hear the word of God, but they do not think 
they need to obey the word of God. You see, religion, it doesn't matter what religion you want to believe in. Uh, religion is private. And religion is like an appendage. You put on and take off. It doesn't make any big difference. But we are very serious about our physical body. We want to examine our breasts and see whether there is a lamp. And if you are 50 or over, you have to get this colonoscopy. And you make sure you do all that. These are serious things. But religion is simply an appendage for good feeling. We don't want to listen to the word of God. We don't want to build according to what he tells us. We are very serious about our physical body. To us, to most Christians in the world, religion is simply an expendable appendage. They hear the word of God, but they do not think they need to obey the word of God. They want to enter into a kingdom without a king. They want to experience the feast of the kingdom of God without being ruled by the king. They feel mental assent to the word is all that is necessary. They believe faith without works is all that is required. They believe in antinomianism and autonomy. They reject the notion of denying oneself and taking up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. They build according to their own ideas rather than the pattern that is shown on the mountain. They believe that the word of God is for entertainment purpose, something that gives you some good feeling. So they refuse to repent and believe in Jesus Christ alone to be saved. They fight against obedience and holy living. Third thing I want to tell you is the naked guest. 22nd chapter of Matthew. We want to have time to speak about the whole thing. The miserable wretches of the highways and byways were invited by the great king for his son's wedding. Oh, big feast that is speaking about salvation. Everything is ready. Come. And there came a guest. He came in without wedding garment. This guest would enter the kingdom of God on his own terms. I don't worry about wedding garment. I'm going to go my way, you see. Now, there are people sitting here who believes in that philosophy. I'm going to go my way. I refuse the wedding garment freely given. But what's wrong with what I wear? They are like Cain. God said, you know, there is a way to approach God through blood sacrifice. Abel, by faith, offered the blood sacrifice. What did Cain say? I'm not going to offer blood sacrifice. I'm going to offer what I want to offer. And God should accept that. And then bless me. And God didn't accept. And God didn't bless. So here is a guest. He's a false Christian. He comes in. 
But he will not repent. He will not believe. He will not trust in Jesus Christ alone. He will not receive the gift of righteousness. He says, well, I want to come the way I am. What's wrong with my dress? Let me tell you what's wrong with it. Turn to Isaiah 64 and verse 6. That says what? All your righteousness is like filthy rags. It stings. And I'm, oh, we are so impressed with it. It is stench in the very nostrils of God. Our sin, our guilt, our unrighteousness, but we are fascinated with it. We don't find any problem with our dress and this miserable wretch in self-reliance, in arrogance, came in. You see, Isaiah speaks to Isaiah 61 and verse 10. It says something about a dress. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. That's the free gift of salvation that you receive when you come in humility, in faith, in repentance. But here he came in. I don't care. I'm going to go the way I am. I refused his free gift of salvation. You see, what he's doing is this. God, the king, must be honored. And his son must be honored. Here he would not honor God but he wants the feast you never enjoy the feast of eternal life if you will not honor him by clothing yourselves with the gift of salvation which he freely gives to you what arrogance or let's turn to fourthly to the 25th chapter speaking about 10 virgins the wise and the foolish virgins. They all looked alike, just like people sitting right here. They all looked alike. And by your being here, you are telling me what you're all Christians, true Christians, all on our way to heaven. They all looked alike. The wise and foolish both expected the bridegroom to come in the night, I suppose. They both took lamps but the foolish did not take oil with the lamps they are false Christians who look like true Christians outwardly but the crisis will reveal who is who they would not do the will of God they would not obey God like the false builders they lack the inner reality of regeneration Therefore, they would not repent and believe in Jesus Christ for their eternal salvation. They hope to feast with the bridegroom, but their hope will be dashed. I'm speaking to you today. I hope we will think a little more seriously about our eternal life. The sixth thing I want to tell you is the defense these people will Present to God on the last day, on that day. Turn with me to chapter 7 of Matthew. 
Verse 22, many will say to me on that day. Now I want you to understand this has nothing to do with the pagans. This has to do with the evangelical Christians in the church world. The pagans are not going to come to God and say, Lord, Lord. That we prophesied, we cast out demons and we performed miracles in your name. They are not going to say that. We, this is speaking about so-called false Christians. Many. In other words, the vast majority of people in the evangelical world, their Christianity is bogus and worthless. Bogus and worthless. That's what it says. Listen to verse 22. Many will say to me. So who is the boss? Who is the judge? Jesus Christ will be the judge on that day. At the final day. The last day on that day. Many will say to me. Lord, Lord. What does Lord, Lord mean? It means orthodoxy. That's what it means. Lord means God and king. That's what Lord means. We recognize you as God and King. We believe in Jesus Christ in two natures, both God and man. We believe all that. We believe you are King, you are God. Orthodoxy. Let me tell you, nobody is going to go to heaven without orthodoxy. But everyone who is orthodox is not going to go to heaven. You have to have something more than mere creed there are people in the reformed churches oh they they love their creed they fight for their creed and i'm just telling you you cannot enter into the kingdom of god without proper creed proper confession proper doctrine as to especially the person and work of jesus christ but that alone is not going to get you in these people confess correctly lord Lord. Lord, Lord means this repetition shows urgency as well as their presumption that they are intimate with Jesus Christ. The intimacy, Simon, Simon. You see, we, we, we belong together, you see. Don't you know that we belong together? We ate and we drank and you taught in our streets. Luke chapter 13 deals with that. Intimacy, urgency, just open it, you see. So there is proper confession, and not only that, their ministry, they say. In your name, we prophesied. In your name, we cast out demons. In your name, we performed many miracles. Isn't that wonderful? Not only we are orthodox in our confession, we are proper ministers. Our ministries were spectacular, supernatural. We did the same way you did. We deserve entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wasn't very impressed. Turn to Matthew 22 and verse 11. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed. Well, in the Greek it is this, in, the king came to inspect. <laughs> Let me tell you, his eyes are like flaming fire. Amen. The word of God is living and active. 
it cuts through and exposes the thoughts and intents of human heart. And you read Revelation chapter 1 through 3, you notice he's speaking about the church. He sees everything. He views all things in one view. And so the king came and immediately noticed that person who is self-sufficient, who is arrogant, who is false, who is a phony, who will not submit to God's order. And what did he say? He was what? Speechless. There is no defense. So what's your defense? Your defense is orthodoxy. Your defense is what? Your ministry. And then your defense in another situation, you, are, you have nothing. How come? How come you didn't open your mouth and say something? You were all arrogant all the 85 years you lived in this world. Oh, what arrogance came out of your mouth. Well, how come you don't speak to him? He was speechless because there was no reason. Everything was given gratis, but he will not receive. He was speechless. And final thing is number seven, the final doom of the false Christians. The final doom of the false Christians. The final word that pronounces the doom upon the false Christians. Chapter 7. And uh, he heard your defense. He heard your orthodoxy. He heard the grandiose ministry. The large church. The large numbers. Isn't that wonderful? I mean you are all also tempted, isn't it? See, large steeples. Great uh, program. Fascinated with it. I mean, who can say that that is false and totally false? Americans are interested in the big, the great, the beautiful, the grand, the glorious. You don't worry about the Bible and its centrality, the pattern shown on the mound. You don't worry about it. We are impressed by the bigness of it. The grandiose of it. The glory of it. He heard the defense. The orthodoxy and the great ministry. Was not impressed. As we would be impressed. Annual budget 85 million. Isn't that something? Impressed. 85 programs every day. I want to go to that church. Because they have a basketball program. They have some other program. They have ballet program. They have every other program. But I'm saying on that day, the king, the judge, all judgment is given to Jesus Christ. He is not impressed. Look at verse 23. Then I will tell them something. Then I'll tell them. Oh, the bishops and the cardinals and the, and the glory of it, the jewelry of it, the sparkling of it. Look at all the wonderful things of it. And then there are two or three here and there coming in the name of Jesus Christ and reading the word of God and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. What is that compared to Babylon? The woman that is seated on the the animal. So listen, 
This is Jesus Christ speaking in the Sermon on the Mount in the concluding statement. What did he say? Then I will tell them plainly. There is no appeal. And what did he say? I never knew you. You see, Jesus Christ said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I never knew you means you are not my sheep. And then the nature is revealed. You see, good tree brings forth what? Good fruit. It is the nature of a tree that determines its fruit. And so the one with eyes like flaming fire looks deep into the heart of these people and exposes their nature. They are unregenerate. You workers of iniquity. The kingdom of God is characterized by law of the king. Ho ergat zomenoi ten anomian. You are continually working iniquity, lawlessness. You have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. The doom of the false prophet and the false Christian. God is not impressed. Workers of iniquity. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. There is a statement about the Antichrist. He is described as ho anomos. The lawless one. In other words, what Jesus Christ is saying, you are the children of the lawless one. You are the children of the devil. Ho anomos. You practice lawlessness. The kingdom of God is characterized by righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, there is a day coming when God exposes the nature of people. Ho anomos. You are the descendants and the disciples and the children of the lawless one. Oh, the final word in chapter 22. What is the final word? Bind him hand and foot and throw him out. Into the darkness that is outside, there will be gnashing and weeping. That's the final doom. What about the foolish virgins? They came and knocked open for us. But there is this pathetic statement full of pathos. The door was shut. You missed the party. You missed the party. That is eternal life. Eternal life is the ongoing, never-ending party given by the great king and his son. You missed the party because you will not deny yourself and take up the cross and follow him. Because you nursed the rebellion and the arrogance. You rejected the kingdom of God and its order. Depart from me. You workers of iniquity, the door was shut. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6, where Jesus Christ made this statement. Take a look at it and learn something today. Verse 46, Luke 6 and verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and what? And do not do what I say. It's not enough to have orthodoxy. It's not enough to have proper confession. You must do 
what I say. If I am the Lord. There is the final doom. If you want to know who spoke more about hell. I want to tell you it is Jesus Christ. And go home and read these scriptures. Matthew 8 verse 12. Matthew 13, 42 and 50. Matthew 22 verse 13. Matthew 24 verse 51. And Matthew 25 verse 30. It is speaking about eternal damnation. That's the outside. Now that is tragic, isn't it? Inside is the party. Is the eternal life. It is salvation. It is joy unspeakable, full of glory. It is pleasures forevermore. Outside, inside. Now my question to you is what would be the final word you would hear that day? Two words are given. They are the final. Turn with me to Matthew 25. And there are two words. Matthew 25. There is the first word you find in verse 41. And he will say to those on his left, depart from me. Depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angel. Depart from me. Many will be told that. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many. And I said many in the evangelical world will be told that. Shocking final doom of people who were careless and unthinking. There is another word, verse 34 of chapter 25 of Matthew. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, come, blessing, enter into blessing, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. What is kingdom? If you study Matthew, it tells you it means feast. It means eternal life. It means salvation. It means fellowship. That's what kingdom is all about. It means life with God. That's the purpose of, of God creating man and redeeming man. That man may live in perpetual and unceasing joy with this great God shall we rise and let me read to you from St. Paul they would say well I know you I know you he would say well I don't know you you are not mine and if you think you are his let me read this to you 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 nevertheless God's solid foundation stands the Lord knows those who are his. Now listen. The Lord knows those who are his. And now. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord. These people confessed. But they lacked one thing. They lacked holiness. Without holiness no one shall see God. Now listen. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord. Must turn away from wickedness there has to be proper confession proper creed and proper conduct God never saves a person who will not live a life that is pleasing to him 
authentic salvation will result in true submission to Jesus Christ. To separate holiness from confession is stupid and it is foolish. And yet evangelical world is loaded with people who will have nothing to do with holiness but they will confess the right confession. And they are hoping to enter into the kingdom of God. A man, he wanted to take care of his life. He didn't want to give anybody problem. He was always taking care of himself. So he said, hey, wait a minute, I should buy a plot in a cemetery. And he did buy a plot for him and his wife. And then he said, hey, wait a minute, uh, you know, I, don't, I want to have a tombstone. For me and for my wife, so he, he made tombstones for two of them, and everything is written on it. Except only one thing you need to put in, what is it? The date of death. That's all you need to do. I mean, isn't that wonderful? People are always interested in planning their life. I like those people. They have their will, they have their trust, they have an executor of the trust. They have their plot. They have their tombstones. They have everything ready. So he went to the plot and he was clearing some debris from that and he died. And they told his wife, this guy died. And the wife died when she heard it. And they were both buried in that plot all right. Finally put the date in. But I'm saying people do everything but what? They refuse to do one thing that is needful. I said people spend more time thinking about their shampoo than their salvation. Jesus Christ said only one thing that is needful. We need to examine our Christianity and see whether it is simply empty profession. Or whether we are a people who embrace the kingdom of God. Amen. Which is to embrace the king. Which is to embrace his law. Have you ever heard of a king without laws? We want a king to rule us without laws. Without holiness, no one will see God. Now we are told... Somebody came to Jesus and said, are only few going to enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus Christ said, strive to enter. And the word is agonize. Think seriously. Put forth all your effort in terms of this eternal matter. And we have a savior. He said, he who comes to me, I will never cast out. Oh, you are thinking. You are thinking about your education, your marriage, your this and your that, your disease, your operation that is coming up. What about thinking about your eternal salvation? Put away phoniness, emptiness, antinomianism, subjectivism, autonomy, self-centeredness, and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Think it through. Foolishness will never help us. 
What is foolishness? Rejection of God as king. Rejection of his law. Rejection of his plan. Rejection of his way. Enter the narrow way. Enter through the narrow gate. Who is this? It is Jesus Christ. One at a time. Through Jesus Christ you enter it. The new and living way. By the blood of Jesus Christ you enter it. And then continue in the narrow way. And then arrive at the end of it. It is called eternal life. To you he would say come. Blessed are the Father. Enter. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the creation of the world. Are you willing to forsake autonomy, disobedience, self-centeredness? Are you willing to be ruled by Jesus Christ? If you are, would you raise your hand and tell God that this is what you want to do? Heavenly Father, we pray that you have mercy upon us. Help us to examine ourselves. We forsake our wickedness, our autonomy, our antinomianism, our subjectivism, our mysticism. We trust in your son, Jesus Christ. We embrace his rule. Grant us your great assurance that we are yours. And when we die, receive us into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.